This week on the My Love of Golf podcast, we talk to my friend and former colleague, Mike Hill. Mike is a Paris-based automotive executive and a member of the Golf National. He talks to us about the Ryder Cup, and he also talks about his experience in Scotland visiting the Open and playing some Lynx golf around Fife. It's an interesting insight from an Aussie based in Paris playing golf in Europe. All right, Mike, welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast. Thanks for joining us all the way from Paris. First international guest, actually, my second guest. So uh, this is episode two. And uh, I thought it'd be worthwhile getting you on, Mike, because we've known each other here for a while in Melbourne. Uh, obviously, we were colleagues for a good while and uh, and golfing partners. You love your golf. You're a very passionate golfer. And you've had some great experiences. And I thought we'd just uh, spend some time talking about it, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. I've been over here in Paris for 18 months now. Um, managed to uh, get in a couple of massive tournaments in terms of the Ryder Cup most recently, and then I went to the Open in Scotland uh, in July, uh, but also been to the French Open twice as well, so that's that's pretty cool. I've uh, been playing regularly at the Golf National where they held the Ryder Cup. Oh, wow. Um, which is probably the hardest course I've ever played. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, playing uh, in and around the courses of, of the, the Paris region um, and then a few courses up in Scotland when I went up for the Open as well. Mate, so we've, we've got the interest of the golfing public now, all three of them that are listening to this podcast, uh, with that little back catalogue <laughs> of 18 months worth of golf in Europe. But let's, let's talk, about, um, talk about you for a second because and, and, you know, no, one, no one knows you know, Mike Hill, but, you know, I do. Why, why are you in Paris? What took you to Paris, mate? Uh, I work for Nissan, um, and I'm over here in the Europe head office, um, working on uh, the, one of the key models for Europe, the Nissan Qashqai. Um, so, pretty exciting stuff. Uh, just been to Barcelona and launched a new series of engines for the car uh, to the to the media. So, um, been a been an exciting week. Um, yeah, but uh, in my you know, in my spare time, obviously spending time with the family, exploring a bit of Europe as well while we're here. Um, and then getting in the occasional game of golf, not as much as I'd like, but you know, it's uh, we're here to to see a bit of Europe as well while we're here too. So, first uh, first gig overseas for you, in a work capacity? Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, so all new, uh, foreign country, don't speak the language, makes it difficult. So uh, hence why I went to Golf National because that was one of the only <laughs> only courses that uh, <laughs> that it's easy to speak to the people that work there. Now the French have got. Yeah, you know, a reputation for being, you know, very, um, I don't know how to describe it properly, but, you know, if you don't speak the language, you know, it's, it's got a reputation for being difficult to, to get around over there. Um, they really do like the French language and they, they hold that very highly. Have you found that or are you just surrounded by that much uh, English-speaking people that it's, you know, it's fine or I'm not sure how to describe it, but has that been hard? It, it's been difficult. I mean, when I came over here, I came on my own at first, which meant having to set up a household. So 
setting up a household, uh, going to furniture shops, things like that to, to buy stuff. There was a lot of uh, miming and finger pointing at catalogue pictures and things <laughs> like that. But, you know, it got, got through. Um, my French has come a long way from zero to uh, basically 5%. Um, but uh, I think the, the one thing I've found, if, you, if you're willing to try, um, the French are willing to indulge you and work with you. Um, if you don't try, then you get that typical thing that people generally say. But um, generally, um, they do have a reasonable level of English and their, their little French is always a lot better than my, uh, sorry, their little English is always a lot better than my little French. So um, <laughs> we, we piece together some sentences and I'm starting to understand it more than being able to speak it back. So uh, that that's starting to help a bit more. <laughs> it is one of the great things, you know, you know, I was an ex-automotive industry guy. It's one of the really cool things about working in that space, the the international side of doing business and that you know whether it's france or germany it, it's I always found it very enjoyable and yeah, you know, you've had the great, yeah. op- great opportunity to go over there and spend you know 18 months and probably longer um so what a, what a what a blast for you and your family the girls uh yeah. settled into school all right are they they're all everything's okay there yeah, how, how so does that they, go yeah they go to a they go to an international school or, or a british school so it's um it's not so bad. Um, they, they speak English and learn French for an hour a day, so they're starting to pick up a little bit. Um, otherwise, no, they're, they're enjoying it. They're enjoying their lifestyle. They're meeting lots of new friends, um, you know, friends that they're now saying, oh, I'm going to miss them when we come back to Australia, that sort of thing. So it's that's really cool. And uh, Paris is a city. What do you think? It's a, it's a great city. Um, definitely a good holiday destination. Um, but one thing I will say, Mr. Macron, is you need to fix up your uh, administration because it is <laughs> a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> what other what other cities in Europe have you visited, just for you know, personally or business? You know, what have you what have you what have your travels um, taken so you to? We've been obviously the easiest one was London. Uh, been to London, been up to Edinburgh and parts of Scotland. Uh, been to Cologne for work with Germany. Um, we did a trip up to Finland and all the way up to Lapland. Oh, wow. um, over winter, which was really cool, minus minus eighteen degrees. Jeez. Um, was was going to play uh, ice golf, but unfortunately, the it was closed that day. Too cold. Um, too cold for ice golf. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we've been to Italy, um, Spain, uh, Barcelona, um, oh, France, obviously, um, <laughs> and uh, we're we're about to go go on a little trip. To, to uh, through the Netherlands, Belgium, uh, top of Germany, and then to Copenhagen. Right, sounds sensational. Denmark, yeah, sounds absolutely sensational. And uh, if anyone wants any travel tips, I'm sure that they can find you out and uh, <laughs> ask you for travel tips. Now let's talk about yeah. golf. Let's talk about golf because uh, my love of golf is your love of golf. You love golf, and that's what we're here to talk about. So I remember talking to you via the. Um, the internet there when you were planning the trip to Scotland and I was remember being very jealous because you know that Scotland is near and dear to my heart. So let's talk about yes. Scottish golf. First, before we get to the Open and all that good stuff, which we'll come to, but Scottish golf, how did that strike you? Yeah, it was great. I mean, you know, I, I grew up in Western Australia where it's a little bit windier than, than, than usual uh, by the afternoon. Um, playing closer to the ocean than, than what I do in Melbourne. Um, and it kind of reminded me of, you know, obviously it's the original part of the world where, where golf was invented, but um, some of those courses were, 
and the, and the breeze coming in reminded me of, of a bit of that. Um, it, it, it's it's a different challenge because they're mostly links courses, um, except for one that I played, which is the Dukes, which is up on the hill at the back of St Andrews, which is a pretty cool course. Yep. Um, but you know, very up and down, and unfortunately, it was um, it was probably one of the driest summers we've had up here. So it, a lot of the courses were um, were very brown, um, which made them extremely uh, the ground hard, and the ball ran a long way uh, to the point where one of the holes at Crail, I um, I think it was a 350 yard par four, and I thought I'd just lay out with my two iron, and I, I drove the green, nearly got a hole in one. Oh wow! <laughs> but um, it, it just bounced and ran and ran and ran, so it was it was pretty incredible, and it was pretty hard to hold the green. So you were playing you were playing a different style of golf where you were you were trying to land it probably 10 meters before and let it bounce on onto the green to 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 secure the ball to stay on the green. Obviously, you know if you saw so, any of the golf uh, in around the Open time and the Scottish Open, you know you got to see what that uh, those conditions were like. You know I, I played in Scotland last year, the year before when it was green in summer and it's hard enough then, you yeah. know, let alone with the wind, but those conditions that you talk about, you know, having to hit the ball short of the green, you know, let the, let the terrain work it onto the green and up near to the hole. You know, that happens when it's mm. green, let alone when it's like rock hard and brown. So I can't, I can't imagine it. I got the sense that um, in speaking to a few people and listening to a few of the, the commentators that they actually quite like it, you know, like they know that it doesn't happen all of the time. Um, you know, it's a, once in a decade or twice in a decade sort of condition that they experience when it is drought. And it's hard to believe that Scotland's in drought. I still can't get my head around, you know, dry yeah. conditions. But well, they don't have fairway sprinklers. <laughs> no, no, they don't. Um, and even sometimes the courses I think that do don't even use them. Um, but so to my point is mm. I get the I get the sense that they actually enjoy, enjoy it when it's like that, you know. It's like a, they wear it with a badge of honour. Like, did you sense that at all? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, you know, it, it makes the game a little bit more interesting in some of those courses that probably when they're a bit greener, a little bit easier. Um, you know, like I remember reading on the Crail website that they ran the greens at about seven or eight on the stint meter because the wind was strong and, the you know, so the ball would hold the green. I can tell you now they were more like 12 or 13 um, on the stint meter when we were playing because they were super fast because they were, they were quite hard and dry. Yeah, okay. And, um, that makes a difference yeah, because but, they are, they you are know, usually... Like a normal course where it's... Go on. Sorry, you know, like a normal course where it's pretty flat leading up to the... You know, some of the courses we get in Australia are pretty flat leading up to the green. Yep. Well, obviously, these are all, you know, there's bumps and all sorts of, you know, uh, nooks and crannies to get to the green. So trying to find that spot to land it is just as hard as landing on the green to, to let it run up and on there. So not much use for a 60-degree lob wedge, you know, on Lynx Golf, Yeah. Uh, not too much, no. <laughs> so where did you play in Scotland? So low, low bounce was a good idea. Yes, exactly. Um, where did you play? Where was you? You, know, you landed in where? Edinburgh. Yeah, landed in Edinburgh. Drove up to St Andrews. Stayed in St Andrews um, at a good little hotel um, called the Premier Inn. If anyone's interested. <laughs> um, well, it was, it was it was cheap and it was. Easy to access uh, and 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 it was um, easy to park a car at, so I found it pretty good. What was the first? Um, what was the first thing you did yeah. when you arrived in St Andrews? Yeah, put the put the bags in the hotel and jumped in the car and drove to the open because I got there on the Thursday. 
Right. So I drove to the open. Yep. Um, spent a couple of hours there in the morning because I got a really early flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then drove back and down to Crail and played Crail, which was which was amazing. Um, great little course. Would highly recommend it. Um, yep. And then the next few days I spent um, playing golf every day except for the Sunday where I watched the open and then flew home that night. So. So let's let's go back to St Andrews. So you've arrived in St Andrews, um, dumped the bags off, and went straight up to Carnoustie. When did you have a look around the old? Uh, yeah, where you drive past the old course, etc. Yeah, when did when did you stop in St Andrews and, and yeah. go go exploring St Andrews and, and the that town which is just you know golfing mecca? When did you do that? And what did you do oh, when you did night. it so that night? Once yeah. Yeah, so I went. I, I obviously dumped the bags, drove up to Carnutsi. You drive uh, Carnutsi. You drive past the old course and the, all the other courses. Um, so you you know you, you slow down and have a look. Um, then came back after after to play Crail. Played Crail. Uh, then I went down to, into town for dinner. Yep. And what, after dinner, I, I wandered because obviously the lights still up for a long, long time. Wandered down to the old course, which is just it just looks like a public park to be honest with you. As you know, yeah. Um, and you can just watch people coming in on the on the 18th hole and the 17th hole, the road hole. So I watched watched that for a bit. Um, uh, one of the other days, I explored the um, the golf museum as well, which is quite cool to see all the old clubs and the history of the area. Um, but yeah, no, it was just like at night time. It's it's light for a long time, so you can just walk around and have a look and get a feel for the area and the old hotels and the. You can walk down that road that's alongside the 18th hole and see all the old clubs that have still got um, member, like club clubhouses in those buildings along the side. Yep. So it's pretty cool. It's it's a unique thing to think that you know you can just walk onto the road hole green from the side of the road and walk onto the <laughs> green if you want, stand in the road hole bunker, get a photo on the Swilkenburn Swilken yep. Bridge. It's, it's a, such a cool thing that... You know, you can actually go and do that. And you know what? No one cares as long as you stay out of the way of the golfers. They actually embrace yeah. embrace it as a, as, a, as a cool thing. And it's unique to, to St Andrews uh, and a little bit to that part of the world because, you know, there are some other courses where you can you can walk on. It's a big thing over there, but such a cool thing to be able to do. Um, let's go to Crail. So you played the Balcomi links at Crail. There's two courses at Crail. So you've got the... Um, Craig, yes. Craig, I uh, forget the name uh, of it, Craig Head or Craig Levin or Craig's, Craig Head and Cra- Balcomi. Balcomi, yep. Balcomi Links, do you remember how old that course is? Or, you know, it's like the, it's in the it's top 10. Seven, 1790 something, yeah. And it's, is it like the seventh? It's the seventh, seventh oldest course in the world. It's unbelievable. Seventh oldest course in the world. <laughs> and when you go back to the days of, um, you know, old Tom Morris, and uh, Willie Park, who Willie Park was on one side of the Firth of Forth there in the water, and Tom Morris on on your side there where you were catching boats across to play each other. And you know, Crail was one of the courses that they used to you know go and play at. Uh, it's unbelievable to think that you can yeah. still go and play there and play that links pretty much as it was back in the day. Yeah, exactly. And it's a it's a nice little course. It's not it's not long. Yep. Um, but you can imagine that during the weather, if it got a bit windy it would make it quite a tough challenge anything um what were the memorable parts of that course um i think playing along the side of the ocean you yeah. know and having a few tee, tee shots that you you're hitting across the, the corner of the beach to uh to get to the part of the fairway 
It's uh, it's quite a spectacular uh, thing to have to do. You know, the Firth of Forth there, just out to your, if you're playing that course, it'll be on your right-hand side. Um, it's yeah. just sensational. The other, I, I've not played the Balcomi links. I've played uh, the Craighead links next door. Um, I believe that it was a course built with a great thing that happens in the UK, with lottery money. So when you play the lottery over there, the money goes to build okay. towards funding sport and they got a grant to build a course over there. They built it next door. Um, it's got a big, big stone wall that runs right through it. So you're hitting down fairways, and if you hit your yeah. drive, if you hit your drive too long, you're up against the stone wall. You've actually got to play backwards, as I had one mm. one time. And it's actually built on old World War Two um, uh, airstrip. So next door to that is okay. is an old airstrip where I believe they used to, you know, Lancasters and whatever else is used to depart from in in back in the wartime. So yeah, right. quite a historical part of uh, part of the land there, and surrounded by other courses. Where was next? What what was the next course in Scotland for you? So next day was Friday, and I went. So I went in the morning. I went. To, that was the one day it rained a little bit, and I went to the open. Mm-hmm. So I spent the morning at the open, and then I had a tea time at around. No, I didn't have a tea time that day. I was um, I was actually going to try and get on the old course, but I never, you know, I, I didn't do it, and I ended up playing the new course, which is just as nice. Mm-hmm. Um, shot a good round, shot eight over par, which is which is about to handicap. Um, that's not too bad. Um, had a good round. Joined joined a group of three old English guys and, and had a good laugh on the way around as well. So that was that was pretty cool. That was a that was an interesting course. Very, it, it you know. You don't see that sort of setup anymore, where you go literally straight off the green and onto the next tee box. Yep. You know, and uh, it was um, it was cool just to, and then you could see the you were sort of all along the side of the old course as you as you played. But to be honest, I mean, between the new and the old, the the, the look and the feel of them are very similar. Yeah. Um, right. And uh, I think you know, obviously the old's got the prestige, but the, the new course is equally for me uh, is is as uh, challenging and and fun course to play as well. We certainly get in the same conditions because it is right next door there, and you're right on the um, the banks of the whatever the yeah. en- entry to that river is there. Just looking back up to Dundee. Yeah, yeah, and then you play up to that. Yeah, you, and you can see across. I think you can see across the Carnutsi from yeah. there. I think. Yep, yep. It's just uh, down yeah. the coastline there, across the other way. So absolutely. So um, and then after that. What other courses? But after that, the next day, I I got up very early in the morning, <laughs> not early enough, because some uh, crazy Americans were there at midnight camping out to get the the un the single golfer spots for the old course. So I got there at about five in the morning. Mm-hmm. What number? Uh, what what number? Fortieth in, in line. Fortieth in line, jeepers. Fortieth in line. So I, uh, I I got to the front of the line. Said. Do you have any spots left? They said no, and I said, "All right then, thanks." <laughs> Otherwise, I could have sat around there all day waiting, and I, I would never have got on. So um, I didn't bother. I, I ended up going and playing the Jukes Did, in the afternoon. Let's go back to but, the, so that was the one day I didn't didn't go to the Open. Let's go back to the line for a second. So you're fortieth in line. So you're standing there with forty other people at five a.m. in the morning. What's the ba- What's the chat? What's the chat? I've I've listened to a couple of podcasts and I've spoken to. Uh, a couple of people that were there at around that time, you know, my Callaway rep was there and he, he got there at like yeah. two in the morning and he was like seventh in line. Yeah. And and basically he, was yeah. fun, he got there at two in the morning because he was in his hotel having a drink at the bar. It got to like midnight and one of the guys that he was drinking with who was American basically just packed up and left. He says, what are you doing, man? Yeah, where are you going? He said, 
I'm going to get in line. And he looked at, looked at his wife, looked mm. at him and said, that's crazy. And he was off off to go down at midnight yeah. to get in line. He was probably one of those guys. So he went went at 2 o'clock and then got down there. He was seventh in line at 2 a.m. in the morning. Well, what was the banter like? You know, were you chatting? Yeah, well, with I took the, I was, yeah, it was fun. We were just having a chat, people from all over the place. You know, there were people from, from Europe, a lot, a lot of American uh, tourists were there, obviously. Um, uh, probably the majority of the line were, were Americans um, who'd come come across the uh, the river. Um, but um, yeah, it was it was fun. You know, people were just like, oh yeah, you know, and my friend played this, and you know, we did this, and we played here yesterday, and everyone was just having a chat about where they'd been playing and, and that. So it was you know, for five a.m. when most people are still trying to get their first coffee or not even awake. Um, people were pretty lively. Um, there were a few tired people because they'd slept out on the park benches and, and, and reserved their spot. But um, unfortunately, I took the advice of the um, the guy in the shop the day before, and he said, oh, no, you get here about 5 or 6 o'clock, you'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> right. <he> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, another funny story, I one of my one of my uh, clients from, from the store, he was over there and played it around that time. It was like Thursday maybe on the 18th. Played, went for the big cut and cut it out of bounds through the windscreen of a Porsche. <laughs> part next to the, yes, <laughs> part next to the 18th fairway, <laughs> straight through the windscreen. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if I'd park my car down that street. To be honest with you, I think you, you're a bit silly if you uh, if you decide to park your car on that street, given how close it is to the fairway, and there's not there's no rough or anything. It's all fairway. Between the 1st and the 18th, there's no rough. Yeah, exactly. So it's just one massive, wide fairway. Yeah, brave person parking their Porsche there. I'm not sure if it would be me. Well, he, <laughs> he got a golf ball through the windscreen, care from uh, courtesy of Australia, so uh, he probably wasn't that happy. Yeah. Hey, um, <laughs> so let's go to the Open. So what was that experience like for you going to the Open? What did you do? Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I've been... I'd, I'd been to obviously the French Open before that, and I'd been to the Australian Masters and things like that. And you know, this is next level. Like you talk about the amount of grandstands, the amount of people, um, the size of the merchandise store—it's just enormous. You know, like you've got a, a, a building, a, a you know, a temporary building that's the size of a what we would see as a Kmart. Yeah. So that's full of merchandise and stuff like that, and it's and it's full, full of people. Um, so that's one, you know, that's one thing. Just the, the scale, you know, they had you were parking probably 10k's outside of town, and they were ferrying you in on double decker buses. Um, so that was that was amazing. But then the amount of people there uh, was quite cool. You know, the one good thing about the Open, um, and I'll talk about when I talk about the Ryder Cup. But the one good thing about the Open is obviously it's there's always play on 18 holes, so you you can spread the amount of people out a bit better. Yeah. And then when Tiger plays, everyone follows him, so you actually get a good view of seeing all the other big names like Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, you know, all the ones that were coming through. You know, it was I was able to get like, like front of the rope to see them because mm. when Tiger was out on the course, they were all following him. Um, so that's a good effect for a, for a spectator if you if you don't want to follow Tiger. Um, and when I did try to see him, it was like four or five deep at every rope, so. Um, but that was pretty cool. But um, yeah, I guess I mean the, the, the challenging thing about watching golf live versus watching it on TV is it's very hard to follow the ball. Yeah. You know, I, I sat in the grandstand of the, on the first tee a couple of times, and I sat on it in different positions. And on one side, I could see where the ball was going once I hit it, but then on the other side, I couldn't see it at all. But I could see the players better. So you got to kind of pick your positions, and 
and run ahead of the crowd because um, you, you won't you won't can't you can't really just follow someone through every hole easily with the with the crowds that big. But it's an amazing experience and the atmosphere is fantastic. Crowds um, were they different to the Ryder Cup type of crowd? Obviously, it's different, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's probably not a it's yeah, probably a silly yeah. probably it's, a silly question, but it's. It's more of your normal golf crowd, so it's more civilized. You know, you've got hundreds, you know, thousands of people there, right? But they're all cheering for different people or wanting to just watch good golf. Yeah. Whereas I liken the Ryder Cup to a, a football match where, you know, you know, West Coast versus, you know, Collingwood. Everyone's going for West Coast, so they're going for Collingwood. Yeah. Um, and they act accordingly, and it's encouraged as well. You know, there's. You know, you couldn't. You were told not to take photos at the open, but at the Ryder Cup, people were taking photos and filming and all sorts of stuff. So it was, it was more like a stadium atmosphere. And then you've got, you've basically only got, well, the the only day where you have probably more than four holes in play at any one time is the singles day. So you've got fifty thousand people, which is what the daily allowance was, crowded around four holes makes it makes it like Crazy. basically you're playing in a stadium. How how did you go at the open with that mm. no no phone no camera type thing like it's bizarre it was bizarre when I experienced it like you know they, they allowed they, you to take photos yeah they allowed you to take photos when they were not playing so yeah, if right. they were standing around or whatever or waiting for the next hole you could take photos but once once they're on the green or they were on the tee you had to drop your phone down and stuff like that did it you? was a bit odd yeah you know, I got warned once yeah. <laughs> please sir put your phone down. <laughs> And everyone still, everyone still does it. And, the, and like, I, I got, when I was, you know, Troon, you know, I had some sport in watching people trying to, you know, subterfuously uh, video people, you know, like through the arm and through their bags and that sort of thing. I thought it was quite funny watching people trying to yeah. uh, beat the the, um, the marshals anyway. It was funny. So did you watch any of the Aussies yeah. at, um, at uh, Carnoustie? Yeah, I followed, um, I followed Adam Scott and... Um uh Jason Day a little bit. I saw is it Cam Cameron McLean? No, Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith surname now. Yeah, yeah, Cameron Smith. Cam yeah, Smith yep. Um yeah, Cam Smith, but there was another young guy as well. Luke, uh, young blonde guy. Lucas Herbert. His name is Lu now. Lucas Herbert. No, not not Lucas Herbert. It was uh Cameron someone. But he's a young guy just sort of he made it qualified for it somehow. I'm not sure. I can't remember his name, oh, but yeah. I watched him for a little bit too because he was did, he finished quite well, actually, in the end. Did you watch? Um, did you watch Lucas Herbert? Did you watch Lucas Herbert out of out of interest? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't get to see him. Um, I've been watching him on the on the other European tour matches on TV, but I hadn't seen. I didn't see him at the at the Open, unfortunately. Just a side issue. I was, I was focusing on on some of the bigger names yeah. um, at the time. I tell you what, Luke, just talking about Lucas Herbert, he I'm tipping. I'll tip here right now. He will be a big name. He's moved into top fifty on the. Um, European Order of Merit. You know, he's virtually guaranteed himself a spot into the race to Dubai uh, Championships deep at, uh, in Dubai. He's uh, he's a gun. But anyway, yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, I mean, he just needs to get some more confidence to uh, to to start winning some more tournaments. I think he's got definitely got the skills. That's for sure. Yeah. Hey, um, any other golf in Scotland? The Dukes course. Uh, yeah, the the last game I played was at the Dukes, which is up on the hill. So. Uh, Make sure you take your mountain goat with you because it's quite, quite an up and down course. So up Lovely on the course. up on the um, hill behind St Andrews, yeah. Yeah. So when you get to the very top, um, you've got a beautiful view of the whole coastline. 
Yeah, right. Um, it's more of a parkland type of course. Yep. Um, sort of reminded me a bit of, you know, the Royal Melbournes, uh, the world, the way the bunkers are set out, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but yeah, just a, a, a nice course, a bit different from the rest of the Lynx golf that we I'd played while I was there, but um, definitely uh, it was worth a visit. Um, but yeah, I played that one solo, unfortunately. Uh, so that was a bit, you know, quick round, but it was um, it was good fun. There was no one else playing there at the time that you could join. Bizarre. Uh, yeah, it was it was a bit of a. I asked if I could be put with another group, and uh, they had to ask the group, and the group ahead of me declined. I guess that's the the right of the group of three. Yeah. Um, but you know, most most of the time, you know, like everyone was more than happy to have a single golfer join them. It was just this one one time where this group was like they were. I think they were a bit worried that they, you know. They'd embarrass themselves or something. I don't know. The, the, the big <laughs> bomb. We all embarrass ourselves. The big bomber from Melbourne was going to come out and show them up. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. Oh dear. Hey, well, at that point in time, I played three games of golf in three days, walked about eighty kilometres, and I was a bit knackered. Yeah. So. No, fair, fair point. Um, Mike. So Ryder Cup. So it was two weeks ago. Are the memories still fresh? Yeah. Yeah. You know. I'm obviously. Uh, I'm. I'm half British, so I, I was on the side of the Europeans. Um, so I had my European supporters gear ordered a couple of day, a couple of weeks beforehand. Showed up there with all the rest of the Europeans, and it was um, it was a pretty amazing experience. I went on the Friday and the Sunday. Didn't go the Saturday because I had to watch uh, the AFL Grand Final, watch my team win. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. It was it was the most people I've ever seen around a course at one single time. Um, and again, it comes down to that most of the play was done over four or five holes. There wasn't um, there wasn't the spread across 18 holes, so people weren't you know thinning out. But you know it was just like being at a football match where you've got two two teams being cheered for, um, you know. And yeah, that there was a few cheers when balls went in the water from the Americans and things like that. But it was all in all in good spirits, and I think uh, you know. You could see that you had you had a bunch of Americans standing here. You had a bunch of Europeans. There was no animosity in the crowds. It was all all done in good fun and all that sort of thing. So it was um yeah it was it was it was an amazing experience. And obviously that course is it's it, it definitely one of the hardest courses uh, I've ever played. Not not necessarily because of the the length or anything like that. You know they even played off one of the holes. I think it was the sixth hole. They were playing off the ladies' tee. That's that's the one where where Brooks kept okay, hit the lady uh, in the head. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I was actually there when it happened. Oh really? Um, but I was standing behind the green. I wasn't. Uh, yeah, I saw the ambulance and stuff rush over to see it. But um, yeah, it was um that that's normally a long, uh, not a long. Sorry, about a three hundred and thirty meter par four, um, which you wouldn't normally try and drive the green on because it narrows up uh, quite a lot. But they um. They'd shortened it to the ladies' tee, so it made it about 300 metres. Um, so a few of them were putting it on the green with the driver. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough course. The, the, the rough is like nothing else. You know, Phil Mickelson's made some comments recently on how horrible it was. Well, he's right. It is horrible, but he is a pro and he should stay in the fairway. Um, <laughs> and the fairways there are fairly narrow. So I play I play most of my golf at Southern, as you know, Ross. Yep. It's a fairly narrow course. Yep. I would say most of the fairways there are, 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 um, are, are probably about half to three quarters of the width of what they are at Southern. Um, and then that first cut of rough is is bad. It's not good. 
it's quite thick um, and it's just it's not you know it's not nicely laid grass it's been grown into rough it's it's kind of weedy and deep and it really grabs your really grabs your club so interesting so it's to hear to hear how you know it was obviously narrow and tight and tough and set up by the Europeans for the Europeans and you know what a great job that uh, that they did in picking the team you know they picked some you know super straight ball strikers and you know just played to the to the strengths of the team in the course obviously the Americans yeah. probably could have used some captain's picks in hindsight uh, uh, quite a lot better um, but yeah the, they didn't work out well for them did they no not at all but the course in its setup <laughs> and being set up for that how how different was the course to when you go and play there as a member how much tweaking had had been done um, not a massive amount to be honest with you like i played it the week before the french open mm-hmm. and actually for the french open they grew the rough higher yeah right so i actually believe at the french open the course was tougher uh they played off the back tees the rough was higher um there's one hole, I think it's the seventh hole, which is a par four. They actually, they, it's, the fairway is split in two, but it's up on the side of a hill. So you've got a hill up going up to the left and a big valley down to the right. The only thing that they really changed there was that they grew the rough in the valley. Normally it's just normal thick rough, which is bad enough, but they grew longer rough. But they cut, they used to have the rough on the, on the left-hand side of the fairway. Now they cut that back to fairly smooth, so it actually makes it a little it made that hole a little easier, in my opinion, if you could keep the ball on the left hand side rather than uh, because that when they had the rough on the left before, you you tried to keep more to the middle or the right and going down. To the, so much of a muchness, really. I mean, it's 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 not. Then then I guess the the next part was that the rough was a little shorter than normal. Um, it's still very thick and it goes down very deep but the length of it was a bit shorter. Um, so it's, to be honest with you, it's not that different to how you play as a as a normal person off the street that's, you know, paid your Euros to go in and, and, and play there. Yeah, um, wow. It depends on the tees that you play off. So off the back, the back and the white tees, so the, they've got black, white, yellow, and then the ladies' tees. Uh, off the off the, the black and the white tees, the, it's a, I think it's a 71. Because the last hole, the that eighteenth hole, is a par four. Mm-hmm. Off those two tees, off the back tees, whereas off the yellow and the the ladies tees, it's actually a par five. Yeah, right. Which, which is much more forgiving. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that looks but like a, funny, um... the, the opening hole. Of a... Go on. Sorry, the opening hole um, is a is you know a lot of them were talking about how hard it is. Actually, for me, that's one of the easier holes because you you're playing an iron. To probably one of the widest fairways. Yes, there's water down the left-hand side, and your next shot is generally over the water onto the green. But it's a pretty big green, and it's a you've got a lot of bailout on the right. So because the water's all on the left on that hole, um, but that seemed to be a hole which was catching a few of them out in the in the opening um, in the opening of each of the matches. Were you surprised by that? Like I, I was surprised. You know, I flicked on yeah, and saw honest, Ian, Ian Poulter just you know pull it and it just. But did they? I think I heard that they rolled the fairway consistently for the grass grain to roll towards the water. Is that true? Did oh, you, really? Did, oh, that's what um, I heard. That's what I heard. But I was just I, surprised I to see it how. Was, it, 
I mean, I wasn't able to get close enough to the fairway, but it was. It didn't look any different to what it normally does. I mean, it's pretty immaculate yeah. when you play it. Um, you play that course over summer, and it's 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 you know perfect condition. The greens are nice and smooth. They're not the fastest in the world. They're probably run at about ten or eleven at normal pace on the stimp. Yeah. Um, you know, we were probably used to faster ones in Australia. Um, but uh, you know, the fairways are just like pure carpet. Um, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's, yeah, it's, it is a nice course to play on when you stay on the fairway. When you stay off the fairway, it's not a nice course to play. And I, you know, I've, I've played rounds where I've lost 10 balls. I was, just uh, because you go three or four feet off the, off the first cut of rough and it's nearly impossible to find your ball. I was just going to ask you, and you've answered it already, how many balls have you donated in one <laughs> round and 10? That's a, that's a fair donation. That, 10, yeah. but I think over the, there's a few boxes in there in the, over the over the probably dozen games that I've played. Oh. But um, yeah, it's it's and it you know I don't have someone spotting the ball for me with a little flag and putting it in the rough for me. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> I wouldn't lose so many then. Oh dear. So what what else happened at the Ryder yeah. Cup? Was there any you know interesting stories from behind the scenes? Anything that you saw that was uh, you know maybe not not reported or not seen on the vision? Did you did you catch it? Catch, bump into anyone that you know weird stuff happening or i don't know yeah did anything happen that you thought no the the, the the fun thing is all the people that get dressed up you know all yeah. the people in the european gear and all the people like all the people in the um you know like the, the the outfits like the matching you know starry pants and the yellow t- shirts and then the the americans that come dressed as vikings for some reason um but um, yeah, that, that's kind of funny. And then the chanting in the crowds when they're waiting for the golfers to come out—that's pretty cool. The, the funniest thing was on the when they actually won. You know, when they got the the fourteen and a half points. Yes. Um, and the the crowd invaded basically invaded the sixteenth tee, and um, Patrick Reed and uh, Tyrrell Hatton. We're still trying to finish the round. I saw that. But even all of the team members and stuff were trying to, were trying to get them to stop. But it was like they're like, no, we're going to finish our game. Um, and always they had to clear the crowd again around the green to um, to let them continue to play on, uh, which was quite funny. I mean, I would have thought they would have just stopped because they'd, they'd already won, but they kept on going and. Maybe they had a bet on it or something. Who knows? It's it's <laughs> just the greatest. Uh... You know, thing for golf that whole team, team environment, and you know these guys, you know that are probably, you know, Molinari for example. He's, you know, he's probably I don't know who he follows in Italian football or whatever, but he's probably dreamt, you know, of scoring the winning goal, running into the crowd, you know, diving into the crowd just over the fence, you know, after scoring the winning go- goal for Juventus or something like that, and. He got his chance to do it, you know. It was unbelievable. He just ran into the crowd, head first, dived in. Same for um, uh, Tommy Fleetwood, you know, like up Tommy in the, Fleetwood, yeah, yeah, up in the crowd, being yeah, chaired around. Um, unbelievable. I thought, yeah. I thought, I thought that was that was great. You know, that, I mean, they were both first-time players in the Ryder Cup, yeah, weren't they? So they were. For them, it would have been amazing. Who who impressed you, like watching them, you know, hit the ball like in real life, you know, because I. Th- I've only been to one big golf tournament, and what blew me away was, you know, the the ball striking that you see live when you're standing next to the tee is ten times better than what you see and experience when you're watching it on 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 the TV. Who impressed you, you know, the most in that respect? Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. You know, you watch them hit irons and things like that, and that's 
that's not as impressive as watching them hit woods. Yeah, right. So hitting a driver, I mean, the, it's the height that they get on the ball. You know, I, I thought I hit the ball high, but I don't hit it anywhere near as high as these guys do, you know. And you can see that's why they get the length of the carry that they do because the ball just, it looks like it's like 50, 60, 100 metres in the air. Yeah, right. It's just massive. And, and, and I, I remember standing, um, I was able to get a bit closer at the French Open behind Shane Lowry and Sergio Garcia and John Rahm um, on the practice range. You could literally stand right behind them and um, watching them just smack the ball uh, it was just, it was just mind blowing how high it was going and how accurate they are with the driver. <laughs> Three uh, totally. Di- watching them hit irons. Yeah. Yeah, watching them hit irons was was kind of like normal. I mean, you know, their their iron flight, etc., is not. Um, I don't think any different to what you would see on a, a relatively low handicap golfer at any any club. You okay. know, it's just the accuracy of them and the being able to measure the distance. Um, and then obviously controlling spin levels and things like that with their with their shorter clubs, but it's for me it's the um, it's just the way that they hit the ball with the driver and and the, and the other woods even the fairway woods just you know I saw Tommy Fleetwood on the I think it was the twelfth hole which is another favourite of mine which is a, a massive bunker down the left and often I, I hit a bit of a hook so I often hit it into that bunker and then I've got to play it up onto a, a green that's probably ten is above the the fairway level. And the bunker's already five metres down below the fairway level. And um, just watching him hit a three-wood on that to get his position was, you know, just just the flight of the woods. It's just a, an amazing, amazing thing. Mate, what's um, what's next for golf for you in uh, in France? What's what's next on the golfing agenda? Uh, so next week I'm going to go down to play a course uh, to the south of Paris uh, called Selly. Um Seen it on a couple of uh, video logs from those guys on YouTube. Uh, they've played it a couple of times, so I'm playing now with a couple of guys from work. Uh, should be interesting. Um, otherwise, I'll probably try and get a few games in at uh, Golf National again before winter because it's, uh, <laughs> I like winter golf in Australia. It's very, very cold here. Yeah. Um, I played. I played last winter in in like one and two degrees, and it's uh, it's it, and the and obviously not playing on sand. It's you're playing on mud. It's uh, it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, you've got you to approach your shots a little bit differently. Um, yes, yeah, so I'll play that. And then I think um, early in the new year, sort of sort of around April time, uh, I've got some visitors coming over from Australia. So we're going to head up to Scotland and play a couple of games up there with my dad and, uh, and have a, probably one last go up at Scotland before we... Uh, might be my last chance before we come back to Australia at some point in time. So, where where we go back to in Scotland? We go back to where you were, or we go somewhere somewhere different? Uh, we'll probably because we'll, because I'm bringing my dad who hasn't been there. Yeah. Uh, probably we'll probably go to back to St Andrews and then play a few courses around that area and maybe try and get on at Carnutsi as well. Yeah. Given there's no open on it this time. Mate, yeah. well, d- depending on your on your schedule, if you get the the chance to go down to uh, Ayrshire and go over and uh, you know the golf over there is spectacular as well. So. Um, you know, it's only an hour. Yeah. It's only it's the other side of the country, but it is only an hour and a half from the car, and uh, but some great easy access and, and affordable golf down there. You know, Kilmarnock, Barassi, uh, where else? Dundonald Links, yeah. you know, Western Gales. You know, Troon's obviously a, mm. a harder one, but uh, Presswick, yeah, unbelievable golf down there. Irvin Bogside, anyway. Um, yep. 
Mate, it's been great to chat. It's uh, I'm going to let you go because it's been probably a bit too long. Past uh, well, it's not past your bedtime. It's getting towards my bed. It's not getting towards my bedtime. Um, yeah, it's only lunchtime for me. Yeah, I appreciate that you taking the time, mate. Um, really do. It's been interesting, interesting to catch up. And you know, I'm sure for the people that do listen, you know, if they haven't been to an open, they've heard a little bit more about it. Um, if they haven't been to to France and playing golf there, they've heard a little bit more about it. And uh, you know. It's really interesting stuff, and it's clear that you love your golf. Um, I can't wait to catch up with you at Christmas time. Looking forward to taking you to the new Peninsula Kingswood layout. I was down there this afternoon, played some of the new holes, and it is absolutely sensational. I hope that they've uh, relaxed the visitation rights for guests uh, by the time you're back because uh, it's a bit tight at the moment, but it's, it's unbelievable. How is it? But um, no, I, I can't wait to catch up with you. But I really appreciate your time, and um, look forward to seeing you when you're back. I'm glad you had a win in the grand final. We didn't want to talk about that too much, but uh, either of my two teams, mate. But uh, you know, I was happy for you when I saw when I saw you uh, celebrating the the Weagles win. Good on him. Yeah, it's interesting to watch a grand final at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Anything else? Nothing. Anything you want to ask me? I'll get your club sorted. Don't worry about that. No. I'll get your club sorted for you when you come back. That's all right. Okay. <laughs> Very good. All right, mate. Yeah. Enjoy that. And uh, great okay. to catch up. Thank you, mate.